Welcome back to The David Pakman Show, and thank you for joining me. I am David Pakman. If he was turned into a pumpkin at midnight and then somehow, for some unexplained spiritual and magical reason, didn't quite get turned back into himself. <laughs> I'm Jesse Dollimore. I am the host of the Dollimore Daily on YouTube, and I doubt it podcast wherever podcasts are found. I can also be found on uh, the internet at Dollamore on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Now that all the shameless self-promotion is out of the way, let's talk about a, a shameless self-promoter himself, George Santos. This entire saga of his committee assignments and the, sub, the, the previous lies that he's told uh, have kind of culminated. And he just resigned his committee assignments that were granted to him by Kevin McCarthy. And I'm not going to take it, and I don't think you should take it on face value, his, his resignation from the committees, not standing up and being there for his constituency, which has kind of been the, the, the timber and the tenor of his, of his attitude up to this point. I'm going to read a statement, but then before I do, I want to talk about exactly what is, what is taking place among the Republican caucus. It's become a, a revenge for hire outfit the Republican Party in the House. And they're going to exact revenge upon Democrats for removing Marjorie Taylor Greene from her committees. And they're going to do it by way of removing Ilhan Omar, not allowing Ilhan Omar to be on the Foreign Affairs Committee. For a number of different reasons, almost all of them rooted in racism, rooted in fear and bigotry and xenophobia. We're going to get to all of that. I got some clips. But first, I'm going to read this, this statement from George Santos. And we can, we can talk about this and, and kind of break it down that this is, doesn't seem genuine to me. This seems like an excuse that he was forced off of his committees by Kevin McCarthy because maybe, maybe Kevin McCarthy knows something that the rest of us don't, knows something that's coming down the pike, or just that this was too, creating too much complication for the Republicans in their quest to punish Ilhan Omar. Here's this, uh, George Santos, Republican of New York's third district, issued the following statement requesting that he be recused from both the House Committee on Small Business and the House Committee on Science, Space, and Technology. Quote, with the ongoing attention surrounding both my personal and campaign financial investigations, I have submitted a request to Speaker McCarthy that I be temporarily recused from my committee assignments until I am cleared quote, unquote, uh, said Congressman Santos. This was a decision that I take very seriously. The business of the 118th Congress must continue without media fanfare. It is important that I primarily focus on serving the constituents of New York's third congressional district and providing federal level representation without distraction. Too late, bro. Too late. It goes on. I want to personally thank Speaker McCarthy for meeting with me to discuss the matter and allowing me to take time to properly clear my name before returning to my committees. To my constituents, I remain committed to serving the district and delivering results for both New York's third congressional district and for the American people. <laughs> I don't think any of that is true. Uh, I think that he is being forced off of his committees by Kevin McCarthy. Um, for a number of different reasons. Well, at least two. I think this is my estimation of it. Uh, when I worked for, for the Congress, 
back in the day. I worked for the United States Senate. I didn't really have much to do on the House side. But politics is politics. And I think what's taking place here is Kevin McCarthy either knows something's coming down the line that's going to force his hand, or he knows that this is complicating their racist xenophobia um, mission to remove Ilhan Omar, Congresswoman Ilhan Omar, from her post on the Foreign Relations, the Foreign Affairs Committee. Now, this was asked of, of Steve Scalise, uh, a leader in the House of Representatives, a leader in the Republican Party, even though years ago, while campaigning, Steve Scalise said that he's just like David Duke, except without all the baggage. Steve Scalise, just like the former Grand Wizard of the KKK, without all that baggage. I always like to remind people what he said. He is talking here about Congresswoman Ilhan Omar, and he put he juxtaposed it against what Democrats did to Marjorie Taylor Greene by removing her from her committees for things that she said before she was even a congressperson. Watch this. Yeah, obviously we've we've been talking to our members and and pointing out a lot of issues because you know if you look at what we were very concerned about last Congress with Democrats removing Marjorie Taylor Greene and Paul Gosar from all of their committees. This is not the same in a number of regards. Number one, they went after Marjorie Taylor Greene for things that she had said before she was a member of Congress that she denounced before she was a member of Congress. Uh, it was very personal, and they removed her from every committee. Even if Omar were to be removed from the Foreign Affairs Committee, she'd still be allowed to serve on other committees. So a lot of dis, uh, big differences. And if, if Omar is concerned about being removed, uh, probably be good if you would ask her why she voted to remove Marjorie Taylor Greene and Gosar from their committees, because she did vote to do that. Yeah. It's because of vile racism and terroristic um, goings-on relative to Marjorie Taylor Greene. Not full-on terrorism, but stalking, hounding school shooting victim survivors. Uh, going to the Capitol, I'm going to play a clip a little later, of her going to the Capitol to find Ilhan Omar to get her to answer why she didn't swear, her, put her hand on the Bible, the Holy Bible, not the Quran, when she became a member of Congress. It is a completely different thing. This is hypocrisy run amok. Again, this is a revenge fantasy being fulfilled by the Republican Party. Now, some of my suspicions, I believe, will become your suspicions as well. When you watch Marjorie Taylor Greene being interviewed, what looks like in the, in the crypt, in the, in, the, in the labyrinth beneath the Capitol by reporters, and she kind of spills the beans that Santos needed to go because of uh, their quest to remove Ilhan Omar. Watch this. There was so much drama, really, over the situation, and um, especially what, what we're doing to work to remove Ilhan Omar from the Foreign Affairs Committee. Mr. Santos' statement in there was just saying that he, he spoke with Speaker McCarthy and, and made this decision on his own. They're doing a lot of work to try to convince you that George Santos made this decision on his own. 
all while crying crocodile tears about the prior, the previous removal of Marjorie Taylor Greene for things that she said before she was a congresswoman. Oh my God, so personal it was. And here's the clip I talked about earlier, her skulking through the halls of the office buildings on Capitol Hill, seeking out people to answer for their crime of breaking the law. Not, it's not a law that someone must put their hand on the Bible when they swear in to Congress. This woman, so stupid, so ignorant of our faith traditions or, or requirements, lack of, of requirements for faith traditions to be a member of Congress, that she thinks you must swear on a Bible to become a member of Congress. Watch this. They signed it. They swore in on the Korean. Oh, we have the Bible. We're going to talk about swearing in on the oath, how to swear in on the Bible with them and let them know what our law says, that you can't swear in on the Koran. So we're going to to explain that. You know, we're going to explain about how you can't swear in on the Koran. And we're going to have the Bible and ask them if they would swear in on the Bible, Mm -hmm. that we really need them. We have the oath. Yeah, we have the oath. Yep. So I think no, that's important. The sad thing is, now you're, they you're infringing on our religion. Which they you're, should you're, not you're be infringing able to. on our religion yes. by saying that we can't swear in on the Quran. But when they swore in, it wasn't a law yet, right? So at the time they swore in. I don't know. I think at the time they swore in, that wasn't passed. Because it wouldn't have been passed in a Republican control. Right. Yeah, so it was passed after they swore in. So they're not really official, I don't think. So let's go ask them to swear in in the Bible, because like you is said, Will, I'm... It has to be the Holy Bible? I, yeah, it has to be the Bible. Well, the bottom line is Sharia yeah. law is not compatible with, with America. Yep. That's, that's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. How can you say you represent women, but you support Sharia law? This is, this is Dunning-Kruger in, in rare, rare form so certain of herself that it was against the law at some point to use anything other than the Holy Bible to swear on. Uh, Members of Congress were swearing on Spider-Man comic books or Superman comic books this Congress. You can swear on anything. If I were a member of Congress, I think I'd probably put my hand upon the Constitution of the United States, since you're also swearing an oath to support and defend that document. She's a member of Congress. And, and when they act like, oh, this was so long ago, this was before she was a congressperson. This was like two years before she became a congressperson. She's a 44-year-old woman. She's a middle-aged woman skulking through the halls to teach her a lesson. And the unfortunate thing is they're going to get their way relative to Ilhan Omar, who's just a... Just a woman trying to do her job, trying to represent her constituency. By, by, by all accounts, a loving and decent person who has a heart for humanity, but not a Republican. And she is now in the crosshairs, figuratively speaking, for now. And they're going to exact their revenge. Not great. The other thing that is happening that broke is that Donald Trump, a deposition, a video of his deposition, where he pleaded the Fifth Amendment over 400 times was released. And it is something that was reported on that he pled the Fifth a whole bunch of times. But when you see it, 
and you see a, an ex-president of the United States of America, someone who again, uh, this is a, a turn of phrase I use all the time, who, who rose his right hand and, and swore a solemn oath, a vow, supposed to be a man of honor, to, to, to support and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and to, to faithfully execute the duties of President of the United States. He gave his word he would do that. This, this person who also, on the campaign trail and over the years, has maligned people who chose to assert their Fifth Amendment right under the Constitution of the United States to, uh, against self-incrimination. Here's that first. Let's give you a reminder of Donald Trump's very, very settled attitude about people who plead the fifth. When you have your staff taking the Fifth Amendment, taking the fifth so they're not prosecuted. When you have the man that set up the illegal server taking the fifth, I think it's disgraceful. Fifth Amendment. Bob. The mob takes the fifth. If you're innocent, why are you taking the Fifth Amendment? Fifth Amendment. Horrible. Horrible. He pleaded the Fifth, and that was the end. We never heard about him again. This is like Watergate, only it's worse. Because here, our foreign enemies were in a position to hack our most sensitive national security secrets. There is nothing sacred for Donald Trump. Nothing. Because that same man, in August of this past year, sat with a deposition with lawyers asking him questions. Just days after his home, Mar-a-Lago was raided by the FBI and the Department of Justice for the documents that endangered our national security. And when asked questions, he wrote, he read a statement, and then they asked him a question, he read another statement and asserted his Fifth Amendment right under the Constitution. So apparently, it's like the mob. It's, if you're innocent, why are you pleading the Fifth? Just using his words against him. Except he did it over 400 times. Now, obviously, I'm not going to play a clip here of him doing it 400 times. But I'm going to give you the flavor of how this deposition went down. Where he just kept referring to the statement over and over and over. Watch this. Uh, Mr. Trump, I understand you have a statement that you want to read into the record. Yes. Um, would you please feel free to start? At any Thank time. you very much. This is the greatest witch hunt in the history of our country. There has never been another president or perhaps even another politician who has been persecuted, harassed, and in every other way unfairly treated like President Donald J. Trump. What Letitia James has tried to do the last number of years is a disgrace to the legal system, an affront to the New York State taxpayers, and a violation of the solemn rights and protections afforded by the United States Constitution. She developed. I once asked if you're innocent. Why are you taking the Fifth Amendment? I was asking that question. Now I know the answer to that question. When your family, your company, and all the people in your orbit have become the targets of an unfounded, politically motivated witch hunt, supported by lawyers, prosecutors, and even the fake news media, 
you really have no choice. We cannot permit a renegade and out-of-control prosecutor to use this investigation as a means of advancing her political career. New York deserves better and this country deserves better. This is a vindictive and self-serving fishing expedition, the likes of which this country has perhaps never seen before. If there was any question in my mind, the raid on my home two days ago, Mar-a-Lago, Palm Beach, Florida, by the FBI, just two days prior to this deposition, think of it, wiped out any of that uncertainty. I have absolutely no choice because the current administration and many prosecutors in this country have lost all moral and ethical bounds of decency. Anyone in my position not taking the Fifth Amendment would be a fool, an absolute fool. One statement or answer that is ever so slightly off, just ever so slightly, by accident, by mistake, such as it was a sunny, beautiful day when actually it was slightly overcast, would be met by law enforcement at a level seldom seen in this country, because I've experienced it. The United States Constitution exists for this very purpose, and I will utilize it to the fullest extent and defend myself against this malicious attack by this administration, this attorney general's office, and all other attacks on my family, my business, and our country. Accordingly, under the advice of my counsel, and for all of the above reasons, I respectfully decline to answer the questions under the rights and privileges afforded to every citizen under the United States Constitution. This will be my answer to any further questions. So, Mr. Trump, I take it you are, are not going to answer any questions about your preparation today with your counsel. Is that correct? I mean, should I say this or should I respond to that? Just read that. For all of the reasons provided in my answer, which is incorporated herein in its entirety, I decline to answer the question. Uh, Mr. Trump, the focus of our investigation, and what we are primarily going to cover today, involves the presentation of your statements of financial condition between 2011 and the present. Uh, I take it you are generally familiar with those statements. Is that correct? For all of the reasons provided in my answer, which is incorporated herein, in its entirety, I decline to answer the question. One. How mopey, what a sad sack Donald Trump is there. Ex-president of the United States of America. Remember when he stood on the balcony and gasped for breath, desperate to look like a strong man? What happened to that guy? He's, oh, boo, I'm sad. You're asking me questions. I'm a bleed the fifth. There's several things there that I want to talk about, though. That the Constitution... Uh, exists for this exact reason, that if I say it's sunny outside when it was actually cloudy, law enforcement's gonna show up, the likes of which we've never seen. It, it, it's, to call it hyperbole isn't doing justice to hyperbole. That um, now I know, he says, I was just asking that question, why would someone 
take the Fifth Amendment when they weren't guilty, if they were not guilty. Now I know the answer to that question. He wasn't asking a rhetorical question. He was making a statement. It was declaratory. Oh, if you do this, it's like the mob. Only guilty people take the fifth, he said. And then I want to remind you in the audience, dear listener, dear viewer, that taking the Fifth Amendment, it is a right under the Constitution of the United States against uh, being forced to self-incriminate. It's not, I don't want to testify, therefore I'm going to take the Fifth Amendment. It's not, I'm tired today, therefore I'm pleading the Fifth Amendment. That's not what it exists for. It exists, if you committed a crime, you cannot be compelled to testify against yourself. So by him taking the Fifth 400 times in this case, it means he believes, reasonably believes, he could self-incriminate by answering the questions. Very telling, very telling. I know a lot of people out there, this is never gonna go anywhere, this is never gonna be any consequence. I am not so quick on that answer. I think that there's a very good chance that he is going to face consequences, maybe not as quickly as we would like, but I believe it could happen. I'd love to have you connect with me. Again, I am at Dollamore on, uh, on the social medias, and I'm right here on YouTube, Jesse Dollamore. One of our sponsors today is Mosh. Whether you're at the gym, on the go, between meals, Mosh protein bars are the smart snack to keep your body and brain fueled. There's six delicious flavors like blueberry almond crunch, peanut butter chocolate crunch, cookie dough crunch. Each mosh bar comes packed with 12 grams of protein, six grams of fiber, but also important nutrients like vitamin B, vitamin D, omega threes and only one gram of sugar and 160 calories. I've tried tons of different protein bars. Really, you can't beat the taste and the texture of mosh. I love these. My favorite is the chocolate crunch. Simple, satisfying. Now that I'm back in the gym, I'll snack on one of these after a workout. Mosh is also a mission driven company with a portion of all proceeds donated to support women's brain health research through the women's Alzheimer's movement at Cleveland Clinic. Mosh is giving my audience 20% off plus free shipping on your first six count trial pack. Go to moshlife.com slash Pacman. That's M O S H L I F E dot com slash Pacman for 20% off and free shipping. The link is in the podcast notes. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact based reporting for some much needed clarity in the finance world helping you to make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like managing finances with a partner without conflict, making a balanced budget, boosting your credit score, saving more money for retirement, all sorts of really useful topics. Most people in the audience know I'm a big financial literacy advocate. I can tell you nerd wallet does a fantastic job here. Listen to nerd Wallet's smart money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. 
One of our sponsors today is Blue Chew, a unique online service delivering the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis in a chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. And they're giving my audience an entire month's supply for free. So if you think you could benefit from an extra boost of confidence, all you have to do is take a short quiz on their website. A licensed doctor approves your prescription. The medication comes straight to your home within days in a discreet package. No driving around to the doctor's office or the pharmacy. No waiting around. No awkward conversations with your doctor. All of Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA. The entire process is just a few clicks. Go to BlueChew.com. The link is in the podcast notes, and they'll give you an entire month's supply for free when you use promo code PACMAN. That's P-A-K-M-A-N. All you do is pay $5 for shipping. Welcome back to Ye Old David Pacman Show. I am Jesse Dollimore, sitting in for David while he is out vanquishing dum-dums on their podcasts. <laughs> what I want to talk about is the 2024 campaign for Republican, for the nominee for the Republican, um, who's going to be the candidate. And uh, it seems to have been really supercharged this week with his Trump's trips to, to New Hampshire and South Carolina. But there's also been kind of a tit for tat with, with Donald Trump and the presumed main opponent that he'll face, Ron DeSantis. And we're going to give a little history lesson here, and then we're going to play some modern stuff. But I want you, we're going to go current and then back in time and then back to current. Because just the other day on his, on his, what they like to call Air Force One, even though it's just his personal plane, Donald Trump was asking, answering questions about Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley, the former governor of South Carolina, his former UN ambassador, about their possible run for president. And he, he labeled Ron DeSantis disloyal. And he said, well, I talked to her about it. I told her to follow her heart, but she said she'd never run against her president, Donald Trump. And then he also got this jab in on Ron DeSantis about his mishandling of COVID and his, when he closed all the beaches, really taking a shot at DeSantis. And I want to remind you of that. And then we'll go back in time a little bit. Watch this. Nikki Haley called me the other day to talk to me. I talked to her for a little while. But I said, look, you know, go by your heart if you want to run. She's publicly stated I would never run against my president, he was a great president. Florida was actually closed for a very long period of time. Remember, he closed the beaches and everything else. You know, it's, uh, they're trying to rewrite history. It is, ah, it is fantastic listening to Donald Trump whine about Ron DeSantis trying to rewrite history. These Republican politicians exist in, a, in, a, in an alternate universe where video cannot be summoned by the internet and watched again. Here's Donald Trump from just, a, just a, a handful of years ago during the COVID crisis being asked by a reporter about Ron DeSantis and his performance during the pandemic, the height of the pandemic. And he is just checking off just an A-plus, A-plus report card for Ron DeSantis. So the guy who he's now criticizing for how he handled COVID just, just months ago, really, was had nothing but praise for the guy. As many 
schools and school districts are closing across the country. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has not ruled out uh, closing for opening up schools in May, um, saying that many kids uh, are not vulnerable to this disease. Do you agree with that assessment? And do you believe that schools, would you recommend that schools um, open up uh, and to those states that have well, I have a lot of confidence in Ron DeSantis, a lot of faith in Ron DeSantis to make the right decision. He's doing a great job as governor. Uh, Ron DeSantis, I, I had read where he's thinking about opening up the schools earlier than the date, the end of the month. Uh, I'd have to look at the numbers. Got a lot of confidence in Ron DeSantis. Checkmark. Got a lot of faith in Ron DeSantis. Checkmark. Doing a, doing, a, doing a great job, Ron DeSantis. A plus, brother. <laughs> well, Ron DeSantis, obviously, just the other day, was asked about this, was asked about this specific thing about Donald Trump uh, taking him to task and criticizing him for COVID. And Ron DeSantis, I'm actually a little shocked about it, his, his response, because he claps right back. And he does it in a real... Uh, subtle, underhanded dig at Donald Trump about being a loser in his election. Watch this. It really does open up the, 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 the possibilities for what the Republican stage will look like uh, during the campaign. Check this out. Trump has criticized you uh, a number of times in the past couple of days uh, on a number of different issues, other than being COVID in the state. Uh, I just saw that. What I would just say is this. Um, I roll out of bed. I have people attacking me from all angles. It's been happening for many, many years. And if you look at the good thing about it, though, is like if you take a crisis situation like COVID, you know, the good thing about it is when you're an elected executive, you have to make all kinds of decisions. You've got to steer that ship. And the good thing is, is that the people are able to render a judgment on that, whether they reelect you or not. And I'm happy to say, you know, in my case, not only did we win re-election, we won with the highest percentage of the vote that any Republican governor candidate has in the history of the state of Florida. <laughs> we won by the largest raw vote margin, over 1.5 million votes, than any uh, governor candidate has ever had in Florida history. And in fact, we almost doubled the previous record, which I think was like 780,000 vote margin. And so what I would just say is uh, that verdict has been rendered by the people of the state of Florida. That's a dig. That is absolutely a dig. I mean, we'll paraphrase here. It's look, bro, I won my reelection. What'd the other guy do? That's what he's doing here. Now, listen, I'm, I'm one who doesn't believe Ron DeSantis, ha he's not ready for prime time. Ron DeSantis isn't ready to meet Donald Trump on the stage. I think he will go the way of Lil Marco Rubio and try his best to keep up with Donald Trump. But when the rubber hits the road and, and when, when Ron DeSantis has to face the many insults and the slings and the arrows that will be delivered by Donald Trump, he's going to fold like a cheap, Folding chair. <laughs> he's not going to have what it takes. He's not as slick. He's not as brutal. He is not, he's not going to be able to withstand what Donald Trump brings. 
I think that's the case for just about every one of these Republicans. You can't play the nice guy after we've fallen this far, after the cruelty has been amped up and ramped up to the level that it has. You're not able to go back and be a John Kasich. You're not able to be a Mitt Romney. You can't even be a Chris Christie, for that matter, and win a Republican nomination for the president of the United States. So we'll see what takes place, but it is nice to see that Ron DeSantis isn't just gonna lay down for Donald Trump, that there is gonna be a fight, because listen, a fight among them is good for us. When, when, when these fascists are, are spending time, wasting time and energy battling one another, that is time not spent destroying the country. Let's stay with presidential politics. The 2024 race, Donald Trump has been receiving a little bit of criticism from different circles about the fact that he doesn't really have any policy prescriptions for 2024. He rolled onto the scene in 2015, rolled down his escalator and came out and called Mexicans rapists. They're not sending their best. I, uh, they're sending their worst, the rapists and the drugs and the, and I assume, some of them are good people, you'll remember. And then it was Muslim bans and, and, and all of the rest. And now, where do you go from there? It seems, because Ron DeSantis, again, is, seems to be the chief opponent that we will see, it seems that Donald Trump is going to try to out-DeSantis Ron DeSantis, out-bigot Ron DeSantis, out homophobe Ron DeSantis. He is going to try to uh, anti-trans bigot off the charts. And this is one of the first policy prescriptions that Donald Trump, a la his wall, except now he wants to oppress uh, a marginalized population in the United States. Here's Donald Trump talking about what he wants to do with education and trans rights. As part of our new credentialing body for teachers, we will promote positive education about the nuclear family, the roles of mothers and fathers, and celebrating rather than erasing the things that make men and women different and unique. I will ask Congress to pass a bill establishing that the only genders recognized by the United States government are male and female, and they are assigned at birth. This is damaging rhetoric. It's obviously goofy coming out of the mouth of this pumpkin head, but it, it, this is dangerous. The, the, the trans population in the United States and likely the world uh, possesses some of the highest suicide rates among any group. This is hateful. This is damaging. This is harmful. And for Donald Trump, to tout education about the nuclear family. What's next for Donald Trump? Uh, we're gonna, my new policy prescription is to teach people to have sex with porn stars and then pay them off with $130,000. Cheat on all my wives. This is what you have to do to be a good Christian man in America. And we're going to sign a bill to make it so. This is, hypocrisy, this is hate, this is xenophobia, and really it boils down to where does Donald Trump go from here? He's already, he's played the greatest hits. We've seen the greatest hits in 2016. He tried to replace some of that in 2020. 
He created new things to whine and complain about and fearmonger about in 2020. So where does he go from here? He's gonna have to level up. He's gonna have to ramp up the hatred and the bigotry and the xenophobia and the racism. He's gonna have to do that to, to reconnect to the base, to inflame their passions. This is what he's gonna have to do. And listen, I don't know. I fear for the country. I fear for marginalized groups. Look, I'm gonna be okay. I'm a white guy in America. I could, I could fail up and down the street and still do okay. But it's, it's marginalized groups. It's those desperate people coming from other countries trying to make a better life for themselves and escape brutality in their home countries that are going to suffer. It's the LGBTQ community in this country that will suffer. It is a rogue MAGA Supreme Court that has been appointed by Donald Trump that's going to enact, bring to fruition this type of oppression. We need to, to brace ourselves for the fight ahead. We need to enlist those around us who have compassion and empathy for humankind to get to the polls. Your family, your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers, your acquaintances. These conversations, while uncomfortable, need to be talked about. Because you may know a Republican. You may think to yourself, ah, that, that per, he's a decent person. He, yeah, he votes Republican, but he doesn't, he doesn't care if, if gay people get married. But if that person, this good and decent person, votes for someone who then oppresses with their legislation, who then votes and enacts policy that does oppress people, how is that good and decent person any better than what they enacted through their votes? And I think this is the way we need to talk about this going forward into 2024. Because we've witnessed from a distance, fortunately for me, but some not from a distance. Millions of people live in Florida. They've witnessed Ron DeSantis and the things he's been able to accomplish with his Republican majority. They're trying to turn America into Florida, and that is a terrifying proposition. So I hope that you become as passionate as I feel about this and move into 2024 to combat this nonsense. Because as scary as it was in 2016 and as scary as it could have been after the 2020 election, it's gonna get worse. I hope you're in for it. You might remember that a few years ago, uh, the show got hacked and many thousands of dollars were stolen. We never got it back. It's a terrible feeling. It can happen to anyone. But a couple of years ago, we got Aura, which really gives us significantly more peace of mind. And our sponsor Aura is the app that protects you from scammers by alerting you anytime your info like email, passwords, social security number are found in data breaches. Aura also automatically requests removal of your info from search engines and it can reduce spam calls. 
Aura alerts you quickly about suspicious credit inquiries, like if someone tries to take a loan out in your name. And Aura's password manager makes it easy to keep your account secure to begin with. Aura also has parental controls for your kids' devices. You can restrict apps or manage screen time, set focus time, make sure they're doing homework instead of binging on YouTube. You can try Aura free for 14 days at aura.com slash Pacman. Use the free trial to see if your email password are already out there, you may be surprised. That's a u r a dot com slash Pacman to try or a free for 14 days. The link is in the podcast notes. If you've watched me for any amount of time at all on my channel, I talk about race a lot. I talk about the bigotry and the hate that exists within the Republican Party. I talk about the Republican Party being the largest and most organized white supremacy organization on the globe. And one of the elements of that is several members of Congress who are avowed Christian nationalists. And along when you hear the term Christian nationalist, you should just automatically understand that it is white Christian nationalists. There is no black Christian nationalist. That's not a thing. It is a, a, an exclusively white byproduct of racism and fear of their flavor of Christianity. And Marjorie Taylor Greene is one of these people. A vowed Christian nationalist who speaks at, is invited to speak at, and accepts the invitation of Nick Fuentes to speak at white Christian nationalist conferences. And she... Now on committees, they're having a conversation in this committee about the actions that led to the death of Tyree Nichols in Memphis, Tennessee. And she talks how terrible it was. And then inexplicably, expectedly, but inexplicably pivots to, yeah, that's really bad and all, but there's a lady in the audience whose daughter was killed by police. That woman, her daughter's name was Ashley Babbitt, and then goes on to, to have sympathy and, and draw attention to a woman who tried to, who was a QAnon adherent, who tried to overthrow the United States government by force, by overturning a free and fair election, who almost made it onto the House floor to commit who knows what mayhem. Watch this moment despicable moment for Marjorie Taylor Greene in committee just the other day. Oh, and it was tragic and, and extremely difficult to watch. I would also like to point out that that city is Democrat-controlled, and the five officers that have been arrested and charged are black. And I think that this isn't, isn't an issue of uh, racism or anything like that. I think I think that the judge and the, the jury and the trial needs to work out what happened there, but I share that with you. But I'd like to also point something that I'd hope you share with me. There's a woman in this room whose daughter was murdered on January 6th, Ashley Babbitt. And Ashley Babbitt has, there's never been a trial. As a matter of fact, no one has cared about the person that shot and killed her. And, and no one in this Congress has really addressed that issue. January 6th committee didn't address it. And I believe that there are many people 
uh, that came into the Capitol on January 6th whose civil rights and liberties are being violated heavily. And this committee will, I, I hope, uh, Mr. Chairman, look into those civil rights abuses uh, because they're happening in a jail right here in this city. And I hope Ms. Norton uh, will, will care about that as well. Uh Gross. Disgusting. Reprehensible. Yeah, Tyreen, that's sad and all. Yeah, but you know, it's not racism because those cops were black. You know, the real injustice is that Ashley Babbitt was murdered, she says. She categorizes a woman who stormed the United States Capitol with a mob. Amidst them were people with shirts that said Camp Auschwitz on them, parading through the Capitol with Confederate flags. A hangman's gallow constructed, not hastily constructed, planned and executed, built on the lawn of the United States Capitol, but a thousand feet from where they were chanting, hang Mike Pence. They, they, they came with an objective to overturn a free and fair election, to disenfranchise you and millions of other Americans if you voted for Joe Biden because they wanted their dear leader back in office. A violent attempt at overthrowing our government. She wasn't murdered. And those, they are securing conviction after conviction after conviction of these individuals who did indeed attempt to overthrow the United States government. For the power, for the, for the party of, 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 of law and order and back in the blue and blue lives matter until it butts up against their ideology and their base. Tyree Nichols wasn't a domestic terrorist. Tyree Nichols, the, the accusation from the police that, that ended up killing him was that he recklessly drove, which has been rebutted by the chief of police herself in Mississippi, or excuse me, in Memphis. She says there's no evidence of that. So what we know is really there was no crime committed by Tyree Nichols. There's no comparison to be drawn between Ashley Babbitt, the QAnon clown, and Tyree Nichols. But leave it to Marjorie Taylor Greene. Leave it to the Chaos Caucus. Leave it to the Republican Party to put her on a committee to create a spectacle and a circus and a distraction from what really needs to be accomplished in our country. That is where we are. So thanks a lot, Kevin McCarthy. Bang up job you're doing as Speaker of the House of Representatives, making cover for insurrectionists and insurrection apologists like Marjorie Taylor Greene. The other aspect related to white Christian nationalism in this country is Tucker Carlson, who hosts a weekly racist fireside chat on Fox News, the highest rated program in the history of the network, hosted by Tucker Carlson, who has said that immigrants didn't delineate between illegal immigrants or legal immigrants. He just said immigrants make our country poorer and dirtier. He said it. He has said white supremacy is a myth. 
it doesn't exist. He's now shifted that really the only racism is anti-white racism. And he went on a, this jag last night about the new crisis in America. They're gonna, they're gonna gin this up. This new crisis is white racism. To his aging out audience filled with lulling to sleep octogenarians, convincing an elder population that there is a new crisis in America. Watch this. So clearly the Democratic Party needs a new emergency, at least until we start sending ground troops to Ukraine and the population becomes suitably hysterical again. So because they need an emergency, they found one. And the new emergency turns out to be the old emergency, which is white racism. Now, unfortunately for the Democratic Party, white racism is one commodity, <laughs> like cedar boards, that's getting harder to find. Very few unarmed black men are killed by white cops these days. Where's George Floyd when you need him? So instead, in a pinch, they've settled for an unarmed black man killed by black cops, which they have informed us nevertheless, despite all appearances, is still the product of white racism. And Barack Obama enthusiastically agrees. This is Barack Obama's lane. He was elected president twice on this kind of stuff. So he immediately jumped into the middle of the Memphis tragedy to remind us that white middle-class Republicans did this. Blood is on their hands. Soma, Dr. King, Rodney King, Trayvon Martin. They're all the fruit of white supremacy. How are they not the fruit of white supremacy, Tucker? How is it the disproportionate killing of unarmed black men in this country is not a byproduct of white supremacy and systemic racism in our country? You vile, putrid white supremacist who still is propped up by advertisers on Fox News. Where's George Floyd when you need him, he declares. This is wretched, reprehensible behavior, a disgusting display, sponsored by whomever, by the My Pillow guy, I guess. And then this crack about until we send ground troops to Ukraine, as though this is our war, as though we've been invaded by Russia, or as though we've invaded Ukraine. It's all a play to create a frenzy and a panic in his audience. As he declares the new crisis to be white racism, he's actually creating the new crisis on his program. Listen, I've talked a lot about Tucker Carlson, the googly-eyed feather duster, the haircut, the soft-skinned, smooth-brained moron. And if it weren't for the fact that he has the most ratings, the greatest, most popular show in the history of Fox News, and Fox News far and away gets better ratings than any other cable news uh, network, if it weren't for that, the fact that people listen to him, people trust him, people take his conspiracy theories as fact, they take him at his word that he's correct. You, you, can, you can throw a suit or a bow tie on a racist, they're still a racist. Just because he doesn't have a skinhead and Nazi tattoos doesn't make him a new Nazi. It's exactly what he is, and he thrives on it. He profits off of it. And he has the ear of the only declared candidate for president in the Republican Party, Donald Trump. 
He has regular text conversations with Alex Jones. And he's now patterning his show almost in, I mean, sans selling vitamins and supplements. It's the same thing. This is dangerous. And we need to still be aware of it. We need to still keep on top of this and keep it in the forefront of our minds and not just let it go away as, oh, he's just loopy in conspiracy theory. He has an audience. He rallies support. People uh, quote him. People cite him in their manifestos after they commit violence. We need to stay on top of this. Once again, I am Jesse Dollimore. You can find me online. I am perpetually on the internet. Uh, you can subscribe to my YouTube show, Dollimore Daily. Just search my name. Follow me on social media. I am on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, at Dollimore. And I'd love for you to subscribe to my twice-weekly podcast called I Doubt It, wherever you find podcasts. As many people know, I'm a white ale type of guy when it comes to beer. And even for those of us who drink responsibly like me, sometimes you still feel it the next day and it can slow you down, especially when you start to get up there in the years like me. Check out our sponsor Zbiotics, which is a probiotic drink that breaks down the byproduct of alcohol responsible for those rough mornings after drinking. All you do is drink a tiny bottle of Zbiotics before you have alcohol. Next day, you'll feel refreshed and ready to go. The way it works is when you drink, a toxic byproduct builds up in your gut, and that's what causes you to feel bad the next day. Zbiotics produces an enzyme to break down that byproduct, and Zbiotics stands by their product 100%. If it doesn't work for you, you get all your money back, no questions asked. Remember, we're talking about drinking responsibly here. I can't more highly prioritize getting a good night's sleep. Zbiotics is for responsible drinkers who just want to get the most out of the next day. Go to zbiotics.com slash Pacman. Get 15% off your first order with the code Pacman. That's Z-B-I-O-T-I-C-S dot com slash Pacman. Coupon code Pacman for 15% off. The link is in the podcast notes. This story really hits home for me. Um, many of you know this past year, I, um, I was diagnosed with colon cancer. Still very strange to say. Uh, just a few months ago, I under, uh, underwent surgery. They removed about 35% of my colon. Uh, I'm uh, healthy. A little fatter than I probably should be, but overall, very healthy. I have great blood pressure. Um, all signs are great. So cancer snuck up on me. And it is tough. Nobody deserves it. Uh, if I wouldn't wish it on anybody. It was a very rough road to recovery. Um, I don't know how to ca categorize it, whether I almost lost my life or I could have lost my life, but it was, it was close. It, given, uh, if not for um, my, my wife's concern, I might not be here. Given, if not for her convincing me to go to the doctor, I, it would have been uh, curtains. For JD. So this story does hit home for me. Jamie Raskin, a beautiful man, 
congressman from a neighboring area right here in Washington, D.C., in Maryland, has been diagnosed with lymphoma because I, I've just been introduced to, to cancer, having it. I, I don't know all the different kinds. I don't know exactly which, which, which variety of lymphoma he has. But he was in a committee, and he has now a bandana on his head because he's undergoing chemotherapy. And there was an uncharacteristic and I think wonderful uh, display by James Comer, <clears throat> excuse me, the uh, committee chairman. And they, they're talking to him about how they, they're gonna pray for him and really show, it was an outpouring of support, uncharacteristic in these political times. And I, I just, I wanted to talk about it and play it for you because not only is it beautiful and something we should strive for to be able to work together, um, uh, I think that if you are a praying person, if you are a karma person, if you are an energy person, if you are a good vibes person, you should send them to Congressman Jamie Raskin because he and his family absolutely are in need of it. Watch this clip. I yield to the distinguished gentleman from Maryland, ranking member Jamie Raskin to introduce his members. But first, I want to publicly say, Mr. Raskins, we're all rooting for you. Uh, we know that you're going to win this battle. Uh, if, uh, you're in our thoughts and prayers, and it's good to see you here today. I yield to Ranking Member Raskin. Mr. Chairman, thank you so much. It means a lot to me, and I've been uh, gratified to receive so many kind words of uh, encouragement and sympathy from colleagues on both sides of the aisle. And uh, I hope um, that these expressions of um, concern and solidarity will become seeds of friendship over the year. I certainly plan on getting through this thing and uh, beating it. And I thank you for your patience and indulgence. And <clears throat> um, so listen, <clears throat> not only is Jamie Raskin a, a, a beautiful human being, not only is he a talented and uh, just a, a fantastic lawyer and constitutional scholar and expert. But he has a heart and a mind for the American people. He is a patriot for the country and a patriot for its people. We need more like Jamie Raskin. We need more Democrats like Jamie Raskin. And it would be an absolute tragedy to lose Jamie Raskin as a representative for Maryland. Uh, I, I mean, there, there's a number of different directions we could talk about now uh, about uh, Medicare, Medicare for all, universal health care of whatever form in this country. But I can tell you from firsthand experience that we need a system change, a systemic change in the way that we deliver health care in this country. I'm sure he's getting the best of the best care because of he is a, a congressman and his the health care plans up there are Cadillac, they are choice. I worked for the Senate, even just as an employee, uh, it was amazing. I think it cost me $20 for my son to be born. But uh, not everyone is as lucky. Even the, 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 the medical bills that my wife and I are facing right now are racking up because of the surgery and of the treatment and everything else that went in it. And I think that we need to be more mindful and empathetic of others who are going through something like this who don't have the privilege 
that Congressman Raskin has, that I, indeed, have. Anyway, um, thanks for indulging me. A little personal um, detour there. Uh, I appreciate you very much. Uh, if you would like to subscribe to my YouTube channel, you can go over, just search my name. You can find me on, on, on the internet, on social media. I am at Dollamore just about everywhere. And of course, I host a twice-weekly podcast with the aforementioned Brittany Page, my wife and content creator partner, uh, called I Doubt It. Twice-weekly podcast, and we'd love to see you there. Thanks a lot.